Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Jeremy Jordan, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello, and welcome to Eleven, the official theater podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. He's a Tony, Grammy and Drama Desk nominee that's known internationally for having one of the most impressive and beloved voices to appear on a stage. He earned himself a 2012 Best Leading Actor in a Musical Tony nomination for his portrayal of Jack Kelly in Disney's Newsies and a Theatre World Award for his portrayal of Clyde Barrow in Bonnie and Clyde. He starred in the film adaptation of The Last Five Years opposite Anna Kendrick, with other signature theatre credits including appearing in Waitress, Rock of Ages, West Side Story, American Son, Finding Neverland and, most recently, Little Shop of Horrors. His television credits include NBC's Smash and, of course, Supergirl. He's performed his solo cabarets to sold-out audiences around the US and here in London since 2014 and also made his solo Carnegie Hall debut in October 2019. And his next big performance comes up on Monday the 29th and Tuesday the 30th of August at the world-famous Theatre Royal Drury Lane as he appears live in London. So here, an exclusive conversation direct from his home in the US, we discuss returning to the Theatre Royal Drury Lane for Live in London and what we can all expect from a solo show all of his own. Plus, we talk about the joys of Newsies coming to London, his exciting new band Age of Madness and wearing spandex. Plus, if a lengthy West End run could be on the cards in the not-so-distant future, he is the voice, it's Broadway superstar Jeremy Jordan, here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Jeremy and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please help me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. He's the Broadway leading man that's now a bona fide rock star. Hello, Jeremy Jordan. How are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. Hanging out here in my house in New Jersey. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you so much for being part of Eleven once again. And it's very exciting for us as Brits because we finally get to have you back on our shores once again, which doesn't feel like that long ago since you were here rocking out Drury Lane before. So do you think that maybe you should move into Drury Lane? You're spending that much time there. Honestly, I've debated moving to London multiple times it's like it feels it feels like <laughs> I uh, I don't know I feel very special there so I, I always love coming there because I don't know it's just like a different vibe so not nothing against you know the New York scene or anything like that but it I don't know they they 
I feel I feel very appreciated in London. So I, I, I really love coming there. The London audiences mean a lot to you. They're a core part of your fan base and sort of the people that love you. And you appreciate that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it it, I, it was um, somewhat surprising to me at first, you know, when I first came out there because I was like, these people don't really know who I am. You know, I've never done anything out here. I studied abroad in London, you know, back when I was in college. And uh, I was like, that's my only connection to London when I get there. And it was just really an incredible breath of fresh air. Um, and uh, so I just love coming back and it, it definitely gives me a lot of energy and sort of revives me in a new way. And uh, I always try to do special shows just for London as well. So hoping to do that again this time. To sell out that first show to them, huh. very nearly selling out that second show. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary and it's a pretty huge venue. You were of course here for Bonnie and Clyde slightly earlier on in this year. Do you think that that was a, I don't want to say it's a warm up, but you sort of got the feel of the place and now you're going to make it your own. Yeah, I don't even know that I got a chance to get a feel of it. Uh, that Bonnie and Clyde concert, quote unquote concert slash full production <laughs> was um, was kind of a whirlwind. I, it was all very much a blur. So it'll be nice to sort of get to breathe and sort of take it in and go at my own pace. Um, but yeah, I was really um, I was really sort of shocked a bit that they offered to put me at the Drury Lane. I usually play Cadogan Hall, which I've done very well at. And uh, I was like, well, there's no way they're going to do that, much less two shows. You know, I'm just feeling very grateful and uh, optimistic. And I can't wait to to have fun and take that big old stage. I'm going to have to like move around, <laughs> you know, you do these concert gigs and you're just like, yeah, there's a microphone. You get a piano, maybe a couple pieces. And you're just kind of there. You're on a giant West End stage. You got to kind of move around. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't particularly dance. So we'll see. <laughs> I mean, you might have to ask Ashley if she can teach you some dance moves. You're going to have to throw a few things about. I know. I know. Minimal <laughs> staging. It'll be it'll be a, another quote unquote concert with full um, stage sets, lighting, costume, script, chorus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it sounds fun. And of course, you've got your right hand man next to you, the fairy god fairy of all that's going to be there swinging it with you, mm -hmm. which means that it's it's never going to be understated with Ben around. It's always going to be large in the life, but exactly as we love it. Yeah, it was definitely the key element that was missing the last time I was in London doing Bonnie and Clyde. I felt very incomplete without him there. So it'll be very nice to kind of to have that better half of, of my creative musical theater self there alongside me. Ben said to me yesterday when we were chatting that he feels like he's the naughty one of the two. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Uh, it depends on what you mean by naughty. <laughs> I mean, I am probably a little bit more rough around the edges, if you can call that naughty, than he is. He's a little bit more by the book. <laughs> um, but in every other sort of cheeky way, he certainly is the naughtier of the two of us. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess you're Batman, he's Catwoman, and I feel like Ben would absolutely love being called Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, I could get into that. I could get into that. I mean, as long as I'm Batman, he can be whoever he wants to be. I feel like there's a costume coming <laughs> along here, but this conversation's gone all weird for a second. So let's I don't know if we're I don't know if we're gonna try to include spandex in the costume plot for the show, but you know. We, we got about a month left from the time of this interview. So who knows? I mean, you said you were going to go bigger and better for Drury Lane. So I feel like I'm giving you material now, sir. Yeah, gosh. I know like a lot of times, uh, especially when my, you know, sort of female contemporaries do shows, they always have like all these costume changes or I, I mean, you know, they do different wardrobe changes. And I like, I, I'm very lucky if we get one, you know, between acts or something. It's like a sh different shirt because I sweat through the first one. <laughs> 
but I don't know. We'll see. In terms of doing a concert like this, as much as we can speak about how extraordinary the venue is, it's a very isolating thing for you to do. Do you, do you easily walk into a project like this because people will be coming to see you and of course the wonderful people around you? Or is it quite nerve wracking? How does it tend to play out for you? Um, It's always been really easy. I, I, at first, you know, I guess maybe like the first time I, I ever did like a solo concert, I was nervous, but like after the first song, I was like, oh, this is, this is like, in terms of like, in terms of nerves, it's the, it's definitely the, the easiest thing for me because yeah, people have come, they already know who you are. They are going to pretty much love whatever you do and support you. And I know that I'm prepared and I'm always prepared enough that I feel comfortable if I have to go off book or something that I'm not going to just go and blank out and stare into a chasm, you know, like I, I, I always feel like a, I feel very supported, especially, like I said, especially in London, but I think as a, as a whole, these are always the, the easiest things to do. I mean, uh, the songs are, you know, often very second nature to me because sometimes they're like greatest hits. So I don't have to worry about lyrics and, and the, and the only thing that's ever, you know, really difficult is, is trying to find the right story to tell and the right, you know, way to sort of interact with everybody. And um, and sometimes it can be a little nerve wracking, not knowing if it's going to be as good as the last one. That's, that's probably the only thing that I worry about is I always feel like I have to one up myself. My my sort of home venue in New York at 54 Below, I, I've always sort of done really special shows and, um, and I've always felt like I've had to one up myself and I've kind of done the same thing in London. Of course, I never actually do the same show that I do in New York, because why would I make it easy on myself? So, but there's always got to be a step up, you know, we've, we've stepped up the venue, got to sort of, you know, bring something new to the table, something more exciting. So I have some good ideas about what we're going to do. And uh, I'm excited. And the great thing is that I know that the London audience is will be so incredibly supportive. So yeah, there's nothing to be nervous about. The only, the only thing I actually do ever worry about is losing my voice. Because sometimes I get a little excited and push a little too hard. And then, you know, all, all you lovely people want to take me out for drinks and go to the pubs. I'm like, you guys, I can't, I can't do it. I got to do another show. I got to save the voice. I gotta stop. I gotta stop talking. I have to be quiet. I love the fact that you've just thrown every single British person under the bus by saying we should just go to the pub because that is literally um, all we do. I'm. I mean, I. I only. I speak what I. What I've experienced, and that's. Uh, you know, I'm sure the vast majority. <laughs> At least the theatre people. You got it right. You were very, very accurate <laughs> in your generalisation. Don't worry. Nobody will be saying that's okay. not true. That's not true. All right, that's great. Definitely good, true. Good, good. In terms of your voice, it's obviously the key thing that we as British audiences love. And it's always interesting when I come to your concerts and I've had the pleasure of doing it before, just talking to people about the different things that you've done that they love to hear. And I can imagine for you as an artist, it's probably quite intriguing to hear parts of your career, songs you've done, shows you've done, roles you've done that they want to hear. Imagine Mm -hmm. that keeps it quite fresh and fun. It's interesting because uh, my instinct is... (laughs) is to subvert that is to like no here's something new but i do i have over the years started to recognize the value in in doing things that i'm known for and that people love because it's what they came to see so you have to give them a little bit of something so i i try to um i try to sort of maintain a healthy balance in my shows i i try to give a little bit of the things you expect and also give you something or you know hopefully a, a few things that you didn't expect at all that you um, will leave. And then that's another thing that you remember that if I ever do it again, it was that time I did that thing, you know, and something, something that will excite people and make them feel something. And uh, for me, I, 
I never really entered the business thinking I was going to be, you know, a concert artist. You know, I was always going to be an actor, a uh, storyteller. And uh, although I've loved doing a lot of this sort of concert stuff, I'm still mostly a storyteller at heart. And so if I can sort of affect people in positive and interesting and moving ways, that's going to be the choice I'm going to make. And as you just said, I think the great thing, knowing that it's a concert that's celebrating you and people are choosing to see you is they're very much on your side. And I can imagine, does that allow you to want to take a few risks and introduce people to new parts of, you know, your voice and things that you could do? A hundred percent. Yeah. I've been taking risks, you know, I'd like to say my whole career, you know, it was a big risk doing my first concert, you know, and, and in, within that concert, I, I sang like a couple songs that I had actually written and I'd never done that before. never thought that anybody would care to hear something like that or that I would have the, um, you know, fortitude to, to withstand the possibility of criticism. And uh, it's always overwhelming support, especially in those instances. It, it, there couldn't be a safer place to do something like that than at one of these concerts where people are already, um, you know, they're already fans and they already are your biggest cheerleaders. And that's not something that I that I really anticipated. And it's been a really a boon. And um, my uh, last time I was in London, I think last time I did my solo show, I premiered like my big uh, story about my experience with The Greatest Showman, for instance. It was something that I was really scared to tell, but it was something I was also really excited to do and, and to bring a new somewhere. Um, and there's definitely some firsts and some new things that I'm bringing to the show at Drury Lane that no one will ever have heard before. And other things that very few people will have ever heard. So um, I'm just really excited to uh, to take those risks and hopefully they will <laughs> pay off. And, you know, if not, you'll still get to hear Santa Fe most likely. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the promise. That's like, we'll do this, but we'll do this. Like, yeah, yeah. It's always in there somewhere, even if it's in a message. It's always in there somewhere. <laughs> you mentioned that this I know, is your- I know, I get it. I get it. You're like, we know what we want, but also I want to try the new things. Like, I'll give, yeah, you yeah. give. Like, yeah, that's that seems, mm-hmm. that seems fair. You mentioned that this is your fourth solo engagement in London and the fact that audiences are always coming back. Does it make you tempted because of the fact that we love you so much here that you would consider a more permanent stay here under you said you'd love to live a bit in the world of theater can we make it happen somehow <laughs> you know if there was like a really good job yeah sure I mean I would definitely for the right reason would love a welcome stay out there for sure so that's not a no which is a maybe which is basically <laughs> yes. are you okay with that sure print it okay fine thank you I'll just say Jeremy <laughs> just said yes and then just cross my fingers <laughs> with the truth <laughs> can I talk to you about the fact that you have got a new venture in your life and I'd, I'd love to talk about the fact that you've become this rock star now it's it's amazing to experience <laughs> and to to have new things to listen to you I know the last time we spoke was all about new music and a potential album mm-hmm. is Age of Madness just as fun mm-hmm. but extraordinary as I would expect it to be you know it's been really really wild you know I've I've been writing my own music for it feels like my whole adult life and just never really doing enough with it to to, or enough, I, I'm never putting enough behind it um, of my own energy to like really make it into something. And it took being part of something else and, you know, being accountable to a friend to sort of push me outside of that comfort zone that I lived inside of, which was like, I'll keep writing and I'll, you know, keep putting, making music and like kind of secretly compiling this repertoire of of songs and maybe eventually I'll do something with it when I have time you know and then there was COVID where I had nothing but time 
And then this sort of falls into my lap. And I'm like, well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. And I've always felt the easiest part for me and the part that I really connected to the most in songwriting is the storytelling, the lyrics, and, uh, you know, of course, all the melodic singing and, and harmonies and stuff like that. But the music side, you know, I can play piano and guitar moderately, but I'm not, you know, in any sort of way, like a great musician with my hands, you know, it's all vocally. And my friend, Michael, who, who I started this project with is very much that um, with the guitar. And so it kind of took that pressure off me and I could focus on the thing that I really felt good at and that I could dig my entire whole energy into and not feel judged for the other part. And so it's been great in that respect. And we have um, an incredible uh, drummer and violinist uh, as well that, that kind of came on board and, and made this interesting sort of new sound where you know, it's, it calls back to the sort of rock and roll alt rock that I grew up on, but brings, you know, a classical element brings a almost theatrical element, which is kind of intrinsic with anything that I'm going to do and uh, blends genres in that really interesting way. And it allows us to do a lot of different things with the music, which, which, you know, as we release more things and start doing concerts, people will see more of. Uh, So yeah, it's been really, it's been really fun and really scary and really, uh, daunting at times because you know uh <laughs> someone well many people were like hey you know you have a band now so now you'll have all your followers follow your band it doesn't work that way <laughs> so we're we're just sort of uh starting fresh almost it's it's like a it's like a it's a rebirth a little bit of a start from maybe not from zero because i do have a little bit of a leg up and i feel very fortunate in that regard but now we have to sort of figure out where to go from here there might be a little bit of a sneak peek into what's been going on in that realm at our at the uh, Drury Lane show. So it's another thing to look forward to. Ah, I was going to say, how much would we have to pay you in order to get you to give us a little preview there? But maybe that's going to happen anyway. It's, uh, it could. It could. I mean, my band's here in New York, so I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. Again, that's not a no. So I'm like, yes, you said it's going to happen. Do you think entering into this world has created a new relationship and chapter with your voice? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's interesting because this, I, I was classically trained in, in college and high school. I mean, I, I, they, I was taught how to sing opera, you know, but before all that, when I was a kid, I mean, I grew up on rock and roll music. I mean, emo, punk, alt rock, like I, this was the, that was the stuff that I was singing at the top of my lungs in the car when I was in high school and middle school. And even beyond that, you know, as b- before I ever knew how to control my voice and how to tell stories and sing healthily, you know, <laughs> um, I, it's just, it's just the, the thing. It's my first sort of, uh, you know, love. And so it's been really fun tapping back into that, that part of me that I won't say is live dormant or anything, but um, has certainly hasn't been accessed in uh, in more than any sort of singing along with radio thing. Um, Interestingly, my music sort of that I've written previous to this had sort of come out of what my voice had become, uh, you know, as being musical theater artists, as being, you know, more cautious and controlled singer, which came out more pop, sort of single songwriter. And with the rock music, you have to sort of lead with abandon you know and and have a really good sound it has to also be controlled so it's it's been tricky um and i'm really (laughs) i'm interested to see how i get a whole show out of my body 
um, vocally because I've definitely bitten off more than I think I might be able to chew. Um, if I do, you know, a, even a 10 song set, I'm excited to hopefully, you know, warm up to it and, and start training my voice to, to do that and feel more comfortable in that realm. It's not that I'm not comfortable, but it, you know, in terms of staying vocally healthy, at least for most of our shows, I'll have at least a little bit of help with like another singer. Cause all the stuff that I write has two parts at least um, that like, I like to intertwine voices and I can't sing everything on my own. And Absolutely. You can always give the high harmony to, to the, to the young backup singer that I've, you know, brought on. You can have a gift from me. Here it is. <laughs> it's the high yes. It's the really high part, which if I was like a young singer that got to sing backup for someone, I would have been like, yes, give me the high stuff. Yes, <laughs> let me shine. I'm sure you'll still get to do it somehow. I, I know you too well to know that they'll still be in there, I'm sure. No, yeah, they're all in there. It's just like, maybe take a few out. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know, there was, there was one show that I did in Florida one year and I, I was really sick and I had, was doing a song that I'd written. Thank God no one had ever heard it before because my voice was just trash. And I just made it into this like, baritone pop song <laughs> i just just completely rewrote the entire melody for myself in that moment i was like because i was dreading that song the most because it was the highest and i was like wait i can just make something up and nobody's gonna know the difference great your fans are very loyal though so once you start releasing loads and loads and loads <laughs> of music good luck with that one i know the problem with this one is that they're like out there in the world <laughs> recorded in a very specific way but you know whatever it's a live version the live version is always a little, a little tweaked unique you know we can we can we can rock it out yeah. but it's you yeah, yeah. be extraordinary it always is even even on i'm sure your worst days it's always extraordinary the, the gift that you have and that you're kind enough to share with us in terms of the fact that you're also working on this does this create a different relationship with theater does it mean the fact because you're away from it a little bit more you subsequently miss it more and perhaps want to consider sort of still having it in your life no it's like i was saying it's just another it's just another part of of me as an artist so it's and it's one part that i've always had it's just not a part that i've actively pursued Totally. until now uh, yeah i'm definitely not forsaking theater or tv or film in any any way um it's just like another fun thing to do and to and and you know honestly it's 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 good because a lot of times in film theater and broadway you know you you're stuck saying other people's words and you know telling other people's stories which is fun and exciting and you get to be someone else but um as i get older it, uh, i'm a lot more interested in being in control of the stories I tell, you know, which is why I love doing these shows like the show at Drury Lane. And I think hopefully while I, why I will like doing all my new band stuff as well. So yeah, it's not, it's, it's not in, to replace anything. It's just to have an additional avenue of creativity. It's exciting. I think it's really exciting. Yeah. And I think the reaction on social media shows that your fans and your audience are absolutely with you. So it's, uh, yeah, I can't wait to do a show in London. That's what I want to do. With more promises, more promises than I'm recording all of it. So you're, you're not going to get away from any of this. But my final <laughs> two very quick questions for you, because you've been very kind okay. with your time. We've also mentioned that you did Bonnie and Clyde at the start of this year, which was the 10th anniversary of opening on Broadway. I'm right, sure you've right. heard that Newsies is also coming to London. Do you feel like life has gone back 10 years in a weird sort of metamorphosis way? <laughs> you're right. I didn't think about that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, if only I could go back 10 years um, to my younger self my younger body that would be great my knees my lower back uh no it's been uh that's that's pretty cool i know the 
the the run at the art was it at the arts theater it was yes yeah it was was limited and i wasn't able to come i hope that it would still be playing when i came but hopefully i'll get to see uh newsies i've never actually seen the production of either of those shows like i've always only ever been in them you know and i know that like you know schools and and uh you know they've done to well, bonnie and Clyde didn't do a tour but like you know they've done like regional and and productions all over the world but i feel like if i'm gonna see it i should see the west end production definitely and it's gonna happen right by where i live as well which means i'm gonna basically move in so feel free to <laughs> go crash one of the productions but it just shows right. the yeah, they're not gonna let you in they'll, they'll make you one of the oldsies but otherwise <laughs> i think that was a compliment somewhere i'm gonna i'm gonna take it as well yeah 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 <laughs> my very last question for you because you you've been incredibly kind with your time you have got so many strings to your bow and you put 100% into absolutely everything that you do do you think through your work on the stage musicals plays concerts television and film do you think this secret to your success and keeping it fresh for you is the variety for sure variety is definitely part of it the other part I think is trusting myself I've, I've I've definitely sort of turned away from a lot of things that I didn't feel were right uh, not to say that I'm always right or anything like that, but, um, you know, I, I do feel like there is something sort of within me that that helps to guide where I feel like I should go. Because if I feel like I'm in control of that, if I feel like I have a say in my quote unquote, you know, destiny, then and I'm going to be a lot happier and a lot more effective in my work. And uh, the only way that anybody can really move forward is to be comfortable and to feel like they've chosen their path. If if you get sort of bogged down and stuck in things that everybody else wants you to do, even if they think it's the right thing for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of encouraging people to do what I think they should do too. And uh, we all are, but that's, I don't think that's ever the path that leads to happiness. And if you're in a good place for yourself and your family and friends, which I am very thankful to be and put a lot of effort into. I think that's also a major factor in, in success. Having all of those parts of your life outside of the work sort of taken care of and respective and cultivated and nurtured. And the work is the fun part, <laughs> at least in this business. The perfect way to end. So the Theatre Royal, Jury Lane, Monday the 29th of August and Tuesday, the 30th of August. You'll be there. Two shirts. You've promised me at least two different shirts. We're going to change, right? <laughs> There'll be different shades of grey. <laughs> and you promised me also that Ben's not going to crack out any more muffin jokes, Jury Lane stuff, right? No more of that. I have, n- I have no control over those jokes <laughs> and I truly apologise for all of them. <laughs> You're apologising in advance, so we're going to quite the right. Best of yep. luck. I'm really, really looking forward to it. So thank you so much. Of course. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.